You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus 34. I pray that you are eager to receive from the word this morning. Exodus 34, Lord, give us ears to hear from you today. Not ears to hear from a man, but the ears to hear from your word inspired by Holy Spirit, that your God-breathed revelation. Give us ears to hear, Lord. We don't want another gathering. We don't want another um, just yeah, religious social gathering. We want an encounter with you that comes through the people of God worshiping, but it also comes through the, the, uh, the proclaiming of what the kingdom of God is like and what you are like through your word, through, revealed to us through your word. So give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive all that you have for us in your mighty name, amen? Amen. Let's read this, Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 10. This is what Moses is saying, the Lord is saying, behold, I'm making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not have been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are, you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. The Lord is, again, reiterating to Israel, of which he did back in Exodus 20 as well, the fact that they are a covenant people. I'm establishing a covenant with you that will set you apart from all people on the earth. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and bring their pillars and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I want to talk about the jealousy of the Lord this morning. The fact the Lord has revealed in Scripture to us his name as Jealous. That's right. The Lord has revealed his name to us as Jealous. Several weeks ago, I shared a message with you entitled What God is Like and talked about how God has chosen in his wisdom to reveal himself to us with the names of what he is like. And here's another one. He is jealous for any of us that have spent time on this earth with jealous people and in ourselves knowing how jealousy often manifests. We are kind of offended by God revealing himself to us as jealous. What is this about? How can a holy loving, patient, just God also reveal himself to us as jealous. What is this about? Isn't jealousy bad? I know when it manifests itself in me, it's, it's quite often bad. Doesn't, isn't jealousy something that God tells us to avoid in our life? Yeah, I'll remind us of Galatians chapter five. The Lord tells us, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, in jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So jealousy is, is part of the, the fruit of the flesh, the, the uh, expressions of the flesh that the Lord tells us to avoid. So how is it that God is revealing himself to us as jealous? It's, it's obviously not this sort of jealousy. It's not a fruit of the flesh jealousy. 
So God is not a God of confusion, okay? He's not a God of contradiction. So there, there must be something different going on here. Human jealousy is this jealousy, you know, wanting what someone else has or wanting someone else in a way that is selfish. Selfishly, we want that in a very self-serving way. Well, that's not God, obviously. God created everything. He created all. Therefore, he has the right to whatever he wants, whatever, whatever he wants. Jealous, God's jealousy can't speak in, in any form to some lack that he has. He is sufficient all in himself, in need of no one. I think there's another aspect to human jealousy that's quite a bit different. Human jealousy is, is very insecure. Jealous, human jealousy is this rooted oftentimes in some need for affirmation from people, confirmation that, that we are wanted, that we are, we are loved by, by other people. You can be confident that God's, God in himself is perfectly secure. Again, in need of no one. So it can't be that God lacks something and it can't be that God is, is insecure. So why would God say his name is jealous? What is going on here? Why would God give us this revelation of what he is like, that he is jealous? And what does that then mean for our lives? God is jealous first because he is creator God. He's creator God that put upon us image-bearing capacity that sets us apart from the rest of creation. So there is something as creator God in the heart of, of who he is that sees what he destined us for, what he, what he uh, initiated this whole thing for, this whole story for. He is creator God and his heart burns for men and women to see and realize what they were made for. He knows what he created us for. So he is jealous. He's jealous, firstly, because he's creator God. Secondly, he's jealous because he is love. He is jealous because he is love, and love is what? It's pure, and it's faithful. Love is, true love is devoted. True love is unwavering. So God is love, therefore he is jealous. He's creator God, he is love. Thirdly, he's a good father. A good father wants what's best for his kids. He knows what we were made for and he knows the inheritance that he has allotted for us. He knows what he's apportioned for us and his heart burns that, that, that his children would walk in that and, and realize that their eyes would be open to that. They'd, they'd stop messing around in, in the mud and they'd rise up into the inheritance that they have been, been, that, that's been apportioned for them. You know, I, I would say one of the, the most godly responses that we can have as parents as we parent our little ones is this burning desire for them to, to realize what they were made for, who they were created to be. And when they make a mistake, it's not so much that we worry about how it makes us look or how they embarrassed us or the, the inconvenience that it is for our life, but rather we know that they were created for, their, 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 their identity is something so much greater than that. There's, there's a dignity within them that, that calls them to a higher plane of living. That is captured 
in the Lord's character as our Father because he is jealous. He's creator God, he is love, he's a good father. Fourth, he is a good bridegroom. He's a good bridegroom. That is how God has revealed himself to be towards us in his pursuit of us is a bridegroom in pursuit of his bride, in pursuit of a pure and spotless bride. He's a good bridegroom. That means he doesn't want to share his bride with other lovers. He's such a good bridegroom that he would lay down his life for his bride, that he'd die for her. So God is a jealous God. He's a bridegroom whose eyes are fixed on a bride. And fifth, he is Holy Spirit who's meant to obliterate the walls of religion, the compartments that we try to put God in. He is Holy Spirit who desires to live life in constant relationship and communion with us. So his heart burns for that. He is jealous for a people to acknowledge him in the mundane, for a people to acknowledge him in the coming and the going. Like the, the ordinariness of Monday morning, his, his heart burns for someone to acknowledge him, for his children to acknowledge him in those places. He truly is comforter. He truly is counselor. He truly is the fire of God meant to burn in the hearts of believers. His name is jealous. So he's all those things, all of which point to God revealing his name to us as jealous. He knows we are made for something more. But within that, he does affirm free will love, which then points to what this means for us. I feel like it can be pretty readily understood after, after what I just shared that as to, as to why his name is jealous, but I wanna now share what that means for our life because the Lord is one who honors free will love from the very beginning. He placed Adam and Eve in a garden with a choice, a choice to trust his character I want to speak I want to speak this morning about the Lord revealing his heart for us as jealous and what that means for us as a covenant people. The Lord is looking for a covenant people. Pretty much any time the Lord reveals himself to us as jealous, it's in the context of covenant. So I want to just give a few examples. One is in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 23. It sounds very similar to what we just read in Exodus chapter 34. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So in Exodus and Deuteronomy, as the Lord is revealing himself to us as jealous, to Israel as jealous, he's, he's revealing himself like, like that in the context of covenant, two-way agreement with promises attached to that agreement. So this is not a manipulative ordeal in God's grand design. It's not coercive. His heart as love, as the embodiment of love in the universe, 
is for free will love, free will volitional love. Another example in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now this is Paul speaking, but it's again in the context of covenant. Verse two, it says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. So he's not talking about what he refers to in Galatians chapter five. It's not jealousy of the flesh. This is a different sort of jealousy. This is a godly jealousy, a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So again, it's in the, it's in the context of covenant. His heart with burning jealousy within him was that they would, that they would give Lord, the Lord pure devotion, pure love. They wouldn't be adulterated by this world and, and run after other things, but their hearts would be fully to the Lord, sincere and pure devotion to Christ as, as a husband loves his wife or as a wife loves her husband in the covenant of marriage. So there's a sense within the Lord of covenant jealousy. You know, covenants are entered into not so much by what we say. And I think this should be received, or we, we need to embrace this in this, this age of easy believism, easy believism. Covenants are entered into not primarily by what we say, by, by, by what, we, what we do, by, by our behavior, by our response in faith, in obedience to enter into the covenant. So covenants in the, the Old Covenant, in the, the, the Old Testament, were entered into by actions, by behaviors, not just by verbal agreements. The verbal agreements are great. It kind of comes to the territory. But more than anything, it's by our behavior and by our action. Motivated by a heart of love. That's what the Lord is after, is our hearts of love. He doesn't want our split devotion. He says to either be hot or cold. He's made a promise to a people. And their side of the agreement, their side of the the covenant is pure devotion. No other gods, no other idols. He's jealous for his promises to be unleashed in our lives. It's covenant jealousy. There's so much significance in God revealing himself as a covenant-keeping God because it speaks to his value of our free, love, free will love. It's not coerced, it's not manipulated. He's wanting our hearts. I would say that many people in, in the 21st century, they think that idolatry is, is a non-issue because most of us, we don't have statues or graven images. You know, in the Western world, that's not a, as much of a, um, a commonality but, or a common thing. But I believe that idolatry is still prevalent in the Western, in the Western world. And I would even go, venture to say in the Western church. John, the apostle John ends his letter, the first, uh, his first letter, uh, first John, he ends it by saying, guard yourselves from idols. He says, dear children, guard yourselves from idols. And he wasn't primarily talking about statues, although he could have been. Most scholars believe that he was talking about the idolatry of the heart. 
worship is this love or affection or adoration for something or someone. Interestingly enough, the Oxford Dictionary defines religion as something that one is devoted to. It could be God or something else. So there is this sense that we end up giving our devotion, we give our love to other things other than the Lord. We fall into this idolatry. For some, it's, it's slowly over time. For others, there's a moment in time where maybe we're hurt, we're, we're tired, we're, we're fed up, we're disappointed, we're discouraged, and we end up just giving ourselves to other lovers, to other loves. All of that is idolatry. So there is this principle in scripture, and I've, I've shared about this before, but there is this principle in scripture that says that we become, we begin to look like what we worship. We become like what we worship. So there's either you know, one of two tra- trajectories in this life. Either we're giving ourselves in worship to the Lord and his plan of transformation and discipleship and in maturity in our lives is that we begin to look like him because we're worshiping him. Our eyes are fixed on him. Or the other trajectory is we begin to give our love and our affection to other things and slowly over time we begin to look like those things. That's why the, the language throughout scripture is, hey, you're, you're a stiff-necked people. He's saying you're beginning to actually reflect the, the statues and the graven images you, you look like. Yes, it speaks of their stubbornness, but he's actually talking about them being blind and mute and deaf and dumb because of the statues that they're, they're worshiping. They're beginning to take on the, the lifeless forms that they're, they're worshiping and they're, they're giving their affection and their love to. The empty, lifeless attributes are the things that we, we worship, we begin to look like. That's why we always feel empty afterwards. That's why we always feel like, there, there's, like there's, there's nothing being given into our life in a life-giving way. That's actually one way in which God brings judgment into our lives. Yes, it doesn't negate eternal judgment. There is an eternal judgment to come or we will stand before the Lord. Both believers and unbelievers will stand before the Lord. That is to come. But part of the judgment that we receive this side of eternity is that we become like what we worship. We begin to receive what we give our hearts to. I think one of the most vivid illustrations of this in scripture is Genesis chapter 19. As Lot Lot's family is being rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah. There's judgment coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot's wife, as they're fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, she looks back, and what happens to her? She turns into a, a pillar of salt. She turns into salt. She, she actually takes on the form of the very thing that she, her, her, her heart longed for. Lord said, don't look back. But her heart still longed for those things that she had built in that destitute, wicked city. Her heart longed for those things and she became like what she worshiped. She looked back. You guys tracking with me? (laughs) This is why we spend so much time and energy cultivating worship in this house. It's because worship for us is not just about songs that we sing to kick off a service. Worship is the alignment of our hearts, our souls, our mind, our strength, in love and adoration of Jesus. And it takes intentionality and it takes time. It takes time, I'm gonna be honest. It takes time for us to, to realize that this life is not all, all that important compared to the things of eternity. It takes time for us to kind of wash off the, the mundaneness and the, 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 the normalcy 
of, of life that we've walked into this place with. But then when we gather with the people of God into this sacred place, not because of the walls, but because of covenant community with other people, something begins to happen in our hearts. Our hearts begin to melt in his presence. And that affection for the Lord and for him alone begins to burn afresh in a, in a new way. That is the, the beautiful covenant relationship in worship that, that takes place. Worship is this conduit for that love. That's why Psalm 132 says, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. That's what worship is meant to be, is this place where the Lord comes and dwells in our midst, the place of worship. I love something that Eugene Peterson said. He said, we want to get people bored with themselves so that they start looking at Jesus. So the Lord is jealous, and that means he's looking for a covenant people. He's looking for a people that are pure and devoted to him and him alone. I'm gonna ask Jancy to come to the keys. Wherever, Jancy, there she is, second row, great. My prayer is that the Lord's burning jealousy for each one of us would begin to grow in this place right now. Just begin to grow in this, in a tangible way. But if the Lord is, is looking for a covenant people and he's revealed himself to us as jealous, secondly, I want you to know that he can be trusted with our lives. If the Lord is jealous and he's laid out a way of interacting with humanity in covenant relationship, can I tell you that he can be trusted with our lives? The Lord's jealousy is not purely self-serving for him. It's not manipulative. It's not a one-way transaction. He can be trusted with our lives. The Lord wants us to reflect his image. He wants us to begin to beam and reflect what he put in us at the very, very beginning. When he created Adam and Eve in his image, he said it was very good. Everything else he said was good. After he created humanity, he said it's very good. And that was ruined by sin and rebellion. So if you just imagine a masterpiece that you've created and then it was marred by something, your heart would burn for its original glory. You'd, your heart would burn for it to be restored to what it was meant for, what it was created for. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, we all, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. As creator, as father, you can trust the Lord's desires for you to be a worshiper, to be a lover of him alone. It's not selfish. It's not because he needs to be convinced of who he is. It's not because he necessarily needs to, to hear more of it. It's actually because that is the, the conduit for, for personal transformation, for your own transformation, begin to walk in Christ's likeness, to begin to reflect him. He wants your pure heart of devotion and love. He has a right to it. He has a right to, to every word of love you can express and every song of worship you can express. But it is more than that. It is his love towards us. It's a fatherly jealousy. 
Think of this. This is a father who paid an extravagant price, his very own son, to purchase our covenant redemption. He paid the highest price. He held nothing back. You can sense his jealous love for a people. The fact that he wouldn't hold anything back. He'd send his very best. He'd send heaven's best to pay the price on our behalf. That's his jealousy. That's his jealousy for us to experience new life, to experience a new start, for us to experience you know, a sense of bearing the image of God. He'd give his only son. He doesn't want us to run after other things. He doesn't want his kids to, you know, these kids who were created for life in a kingdom to rule and to reign, for us to chase after all these other things that are lifeless and meaningless. God is so jealous that he'd pursue us with his own son. So his jealousy is not insecure. insecure. It's actually the opposite. It's so secure that he himself would come that he'd personally go and take on the wrappings of sin. He would be made to look like a fool. He'd be made to look like a sinner, be made to look like a criminal on our behalf. It's that secure. It's the opposite of any sort of middle school jealousy you can contrive in your brain. His jealousy is so secure that he would, his jealous love is so secure that he would come and take on what looks like sin, what looks like foolishness, because he loves us that much. His jealous love would come and pay the price for our salvation even if we didn't respond. His jealous love would continue to pursue me and hound me patiently. If you'd all stand in this place, I want us to respond to the Lord. The Lord has revealed himself to us as jealous. His name is Jealous. And it's an expression of what we were meant for, what we're destined for, of what we're promised. That does take an acknowledgement on our, on our behalf to acknowledge that maybe we've chased after other things, that we've given ourselves to other things. And it's his mercy, it's his grace to reveal himself to us with this sort of fiery love. And he's not passive in his love for us. He's compassionate and passionate, zealous and jealous. That's who the Lord is. In Luke 15, the story is told of a son that turns against his father. It's like you and I turning against him. And his response is this sort of jealous love. He's like, he had something great here. My son had something great here. And I truly loved him. And I wanted him to, to rise up into that, into, into the inheritance that I had for him. But instead, he walked away from it. But his fiery, jealous love just put this, like, um, inability for him to rest. You know, he, he stood there and waited for his son to return. And then even when his son was still far off, as he knew he was returning, he ran to him. That is the fiery, jealous love of the father. I want to read one last passage to you. This is a revelation of the fact that the Lord can be trusted. And his jealous love for you actually proves that to you. 
no matter whatever your, like whatever your motivation or your rationale is for running after other things, that can all die this morning. It can die in his presence. It can fade away right here, right now. It says this in Luke chapter 12, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is the Lord's jealousy. He's given you the kingdom and given you access to the kingdom through his very best, through his son, through the cross, through the resurrection. We place our faith in him and he gives us the kingdom. That's the the jealous love of the Lord. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with money bags or with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He is, he, that's the jealous love of the Father saying you can be set free from worry. You can be set free from the anxieties of this world that plague you. You know, everyone else who's trying to hoard things in this life, they're trying to, they're trying to scratch and crawl their way through this, their, their existence on this planet. The Lord is giving you freedom this morning. He's giving you the opportunity to be set free from that. And it's his jealous love that, that sets us free. His jealous love that says there's a better way. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. You can be set free. There's a powerful psalm, Psalm 86. If you'd close your eyes, this is the psalm I want to pray over you. Psalm 86. It says, Lord, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. It's that undivided heart that the Lord is after in this covenant relationship that sets us free from the anxieties of this world where he is your sufficiency, he is more than enough, he provides for you, he doesn't leave you lacking. That's his jealous love this morning. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.